0: Welcome back to Packers Game Day. Here's Doug Russell. It is
1: the Packers and the Commanders from FedEx Field. Thanks to Chris Russell from the Team 980 in Washington, D.C., who joined me live in the last segment of the program. Let's take a look inward now. A little bit closer to home. Joining me now is the longtime sports director of the Wisconsin Radio Network. He has covered the Green Bay Packers for decades. We welcome in Bill Scott to the proceedings. Bill, appreciate the time. Welcome into Packers Game Day
2: yeah good morning Doug. how are you
1: doing great what were your expectations of this Packers team at the beginning of the year and six games in it'll be seven later on today. Where do we stand with all of this
2: well um i, I I'm quite frankly uh had much higher expectations than a three and three start and 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 not not just three and three but three and three with at least even if you had that record just better football i mean they just haven't played good football and it's been on all sides of the ball at at first it looked like special teams had ironed out their issues from a year ago and now they've fallen uh fallen off quite a bit over the last uh, two weeks Uh, last week certainly hurt them with uh with, with actual points on the board or off the board in this case um And I think that, uh, you know, defense has had its issues Uh, for the most part. They played strong in first halves, but not able to hold up. Part of that is the offense can't stay on the field. So the defense wears down in the second half. But, but I think the defense has struggled against the run. And, and really what's most disappointing is that we were kind of fed the line uh, that this defense was going to be a, a top five in your face smash mouth defense from the start of training camp. and, and it just hasn't played like that. They even in some statistical categories that where they rank a little higher, they just don't appear appear to be that physical, smash mouth group that you see when you turn the TV on and watch, uh, say, the Denver Broncos or, or somebody like that. You know. Um, and, and, and then offensively, I, I don't know. Certainly the uh, the young wide receiver group um, has struggled, but it's been more than that. Uh, it's really been the bad play. Of the offensive line, and and you kind of knew things were going to be unsettled a little bit, given the fact that David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins were uh, were, were coming off of uh, of ACL injuries, and and you knew they weren't going to start the season on time, so you expected a little bit of chaos. I, I just don't know that. Um, I mean, I think the the chaos we're, we have seen has been considerably greater than I think what we all expected.
1: Do you think the Packers, in your opinion, Bill? underestimated how much of a hold Devontae Adams was going to leave in this team's offense?
2: Yeah, I, I think, uh, I think they probably did. Um, and I think that even those in the, uh, in the Packers camp have, you know, tried to do the sell job and, and, and even some of the media to a certain extent about what their record was when Devontae Adams wasn't in the lineup and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's all great. But those, those were, a game here, a game there. But the reality has set in, and and quite frankly, other teams have, knowing that Devontae Adams isn't just going to reappear anytime soon, that, um, that that they've been able to structure their defensive game plan and take away the one or two other strengths of this Packers football team, and and has really made it struggle. To me, the only way that the Packers can really get out of the sort of uh, of trading for more wide receiver help and eventually getting those players to, you know, to jump on board and learn the offense. And that's not going to happen overnight. And, and there's no guarantee that that happens either. Um, but the only way they really, really can get themselves out of the trouble that they're in offensively is to run the football. And for whatever reason, um, this head coach just can't seem, to stick to a ground game from game to game, from half to half. Um, And he has to be reminded about the fact that Aaron Jones, who was his best offensive weapon next to the quarterback, isn't getting the ball enough, isn't touching the ball enough. He acknowledges it in press conferences, and then they turn around and they they do it completely the opposite again the next game. Uh, I don't know how much of that is – RPOs at the line of scrimmage where Aaron Rodgers walks up to the line with one play and he changes it to another. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever know that at this point in time. Um, I thought uh, Jason Wilde asked a great question uh, during the the post-game press conference a week ago. And when Aaron Rodgers basically said that they need to simplify things and um, and and Wildey asked the head coach. And I think he might've asked the quarterback this too. Um, and he basically said that, um, you know, why, why can't we start in the simplification process of having 12, just call what, what the, uh, what the play is that comes in from the head coach instead of change having the option to change it to a pass versus a run. Because to me, part of the issue, and I don't know the percentage of plays that are changed and I get the reason why they're changed. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is Part of their not being able to stick to a run game, in my opinion, is, is the fact that um, the head coach calls one thing and the quarterback calls another.
1: Mm. Bill Scott, a longtime sports director of the Wisconsin Radio Network, joining us here on Packers Game Day. It's the Packers and the Commanders starting at noon. Wayne Larravee and Larry McCarron on the call. Bill, if you could fix just one area of this team, from the offensive line to the wide receivers, which we talked about, to the linebackers, to the running backs, to the play calling, I guess, we talked about a moment ago as well. If you could fix any one unit, what unit would you fix that could make this team closer, in your opinion, to being a true contender?
2: Well, I, it would have to be the wide receivers because I think that the offensive um, the offensive line, Doug, is going to happen in due time. I mean, I, I, I think that once everything kind of gets settled and those guys – you know, their, their health is, is starting to be there now, so now they just need to settle in and get the time together. And I think uh, these guys have been great or, or close to great offensive line before. I mean, they've been really good for a long period of time, and many of these guys are the same guys for the last couple of years. So I, I, I think that improves just by time. Um, but I don't know that the, that they have the time that's going to improve the wide receivers at this point, they've gone through too many injuries. Uh, you know Christian Watson has missed so much time because of that hamstring and, and, and won't play again today. Um, you know we were, we were hoping that Sammy Watkins would be a veteran presence for the Packers, and you know maybe he starts that today and stays healthy the rest of the way. But his MO has been the fact that he can't stay healthy, and he proved that again right at the very beginning. So um, I, I think wide receiver help uh, some a veteran presence somebody that can um, you know get on the same page as the quarterback and and help out in Alan Lazard. Um, I think that would probably make this team potentially better sooner than any other spot.
1: You mentioned the offensive line. There are basically two schools of thought right now. One is to move Elton Jenkins to guard and Josh Naiman to right tackle. The other is to replace uh, you know only. Maybe Royce Newman and not futz with the rest of the line. Where do you come down on it?
2: Well, um, in spite of the fact that Elton Jenkins, um, you know, wants to be a a tackle because that's where the the big payday is when free agency hits, um, he's performed best at guard, and that's his spot. So if you have to change two, um, you know, and move him to the left side, and and you know, I, and I get the fact that they want as little disruption. You know, you may have to move him to the left side, John Runyan to the right side, and then still put Josh Nyman at right tackle. That would be three spots. I'm not sure they they're comfortable doing that. So it might have to ins- just be inserting um, Elton Jenkins at the at the right guard spot, and and then Josh Nyman at the right tackle spot. Um, I, you know, there are issues there. Nyman basically spent all of training camp at left tackle because of the uncertainty of where the Packers were with Bakhtiari. So he hasn't repped a lot at right tackle. Now maybe um, during their closed workouts for the last couple of weeks, they've started that process to get him some time at right tackle. And maybe we'll see that change today. Um, But I think that's where the Packers would be best is to have both Jenkins and Nyman on the field. So that would mean Nyman steps in at right tackle and Jenkins slides into into right guard at the very least, and and Newman is out of the lineup.
1: Wisconsin Radio Network Sports Director Bill Scott for just a couple more moments here on Packers Game Day. Final thing for you, Bill. In your opinion, do you think the Packers are going to be active at the trading deadline by November first?
2: I think they'll. Uh, I, I think they'll kick the tires. You never know what with is but I think he has shown uh, more of a propensity to uh, be a little bit more active. Um, in, in the last couple of years uh, that, that he's not been as quite as conservative as he as he had in the past and um, you know during some of the previous days under Ron Wolf and so on and so forth so um, yeah I, th- I think they will they will look at it and if and if they get a deal that makes sense for them now you know now what makes sense I mean that's a that seems like a cop-out answer but right. I don't know why you know the, the Packers covet their draft picks considerably and um, but I do think that at some point, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, nobody knows if Rodgers is coming, is coming back after. I mean, I know he's got the contract, but no guarantee he's coming back. So if you believe Rodgers gives you the best chance, then you probably want to start to buck up and, and and treat this as a, we're going to do what we can to win now because we don't know what the future provides us. And And if you take that approach, yes, then they'll, they'll make some sort of a move and there's options out there. Um, Are they the options? You know, how much do you have to give up for those options? Um, I I think if you're, you know, I think if you're talking draft picks in the first three rounds or four rounds, I don't know. Um, But maybe, maybe multiple mid round picks one, one this year, one, or, you know, one next year, one the year after something like that. Um, I, I, I think it's probably, it's probably worth taking The gamble to try and get that that particular group going because I don't see, if if they don't make the move, Doug, I don't see a great deal of improvement from that position uh, from this point forward.
1: Bill, appreciate the time and the insights. Enjoy the game today. We'll see you next week in Green Bay.
2: Okay. Thanks, Doug.
0: Welcome back to Packers Game Day. Here's Doug Russell.
1: It is the Packers and the Commanders from FedEx Field. A noon kickoff, Wayne Larrabee and Larry McCarran on the call. Lots to get to between now and then. Joining me on the pelletwi.com talking text line from Washington, D.C. I'm not sure if he's on in Washington, D.C. or if he's on his way to Landover, Maryland, where FedEx Field is uh but he covers the commanders and has for many years chris russell joining us on packers game day rooster i appreciate the time how are you today
0: dougie good morning i like the way that guy said doug russell like, I was like a little panache to that i like that
1: i like that you gotta have a little sauce to it on a sunday morning
0: yeah exactly i mean you need the sunday sauce there's no doubt about it I I guess the Packers didn't need Sauce Gardner uh last week but that's another story. Um uh, but uh yeah, I'm uh, I'm in Northern Virginia right now, Doug, uh, heading to the uh, greatest spectacle uh uh in mankind in, in professional sports history. Uh that would be FedEx Field where they've uh, removed uh, 25,000 seats over the last uh, 11 years, and attendance has gone from an average of 91,000 in 2011 to uh, 51,000 and change last year. How about that?
1: Great. Well, I just, Let's start there. It's kind of the 10-million-pound elephant in the room, the off-the-field distractions concerning Daniel Snyder. I, I guess this is a two-parter. One, how do you think this is ultimately going to play out? And two, how has it affected maybe it's a three-parter, affected the play on the field. You just kind of mentioned how it's affecting attendance at FedEx Field.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it has a direct impact on the play on the field, Um, you know, because football players generally can compartmentalize, whatever that word is, um, and, and, and zone that stuff out, especially on game day, where it does have an effect. You know, it's in the locker room on a Wednesday or Thursday or Friday when guys are you know, try to relax or whatever after practice, or media is given access and, of course, got to ask questions, right? And most of them say nothing, and most of them have no opinion and no feeling publicly, but you know, you know that it affects them in some way, because they've got to answer questions about it. And some players, like Terry McLaurin, have even admitted, of course it's a distraction, right? Whatever that means. Uh, in terms of what's going to happen to him, listen, I, nobody has the magic answer, but, Doug, do I feel like this is as close as you're going to get to overthrowing an owner uh, and specifically this one who has been wretched for this franchise, this community, this once proud football stronghold like Green Bay, Wisconsin is in a different context. Um, You know, do I feel we're as close as we ever have been? Yes. Um, I I guess the next big thing will be in March at the owners meetings at the next big owners meetings when everybody gets together and there's a lot of media there and whatnot, maybe they'll take a vote. Um, I, I don't know. I wish they could find a way to push him out so that they don't have to vote him out. But I have a feeling it's going to come to a have to vote him out type situation.
1: I mean, this is a franchise. You kind of alluded to it, Chris. It's got a lot of history. They got a lot of pride, but they've struggled under Snyder on the field, and and now we've seen off the field as well. How would you describe the fan base right now?
0: Well, it's apathetic, is what it is. Uh, and
1: and which is the worst thing you that, know, that you can be in sports? I mean, you, yeah, you can be mad. You can have the pitchforks. Yeah. You can have the bags over your head, but the worst thing is apathetic.
0: Yeah, and and you know um, maybe I'm wrong on the timeline here. Be- before you know, like Reggie White chose to go to Green Bay, and 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 you know the franchise really turned around. Wasn't there a period of time where that was kind of the situation at at Lambeau and in Green Bay? Maybe I'm wrong on that. I seem to remember that as a younger man, uh, but maybe not. I, I, this, this is a situation where. You know, where you have fans that, like in Denver, right, they're frustrated. They want their team to win. Wow, they want Russ to cook. Uh, They've sucked for five years. This team and this organization has largely sucked for 23-plus years under Dan Snyder and 30 years now, 31 years, since their last Super Bowl appearance and conference championship. So, I mean... You know, how long can you ask a fan base to do that and to cough up the money that you're asked to do as a fan uh, in the NFL, right, and in professional sports in general? And then on top of that, how much can you deal with the constant tire fires? Like, you know, people think controversy and and chaos is really good in radio and clicks and, you know, oh, you guys love to be negative. No, actually – to win because winning makes fans happy, and fans want to consume the product that we're all trying to, you know, sell and 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 and, and present and all that stuff. And, and and again, I would just say, you know, in the 14 years that I've been here, you've seen 91,000 strong at almost and just about every game. And again, last year, now the, the attendance is a little higher this year, so I'll give them. A little credit for that, but last year coming off of the COVID year, granted, but still full attendance allowed, you know, again, they averaged 51 and change and that's an average over eight games. And that, you know, that's a team coming off of a division title for whatever it was worth in 2020. So, I mean, if that doesn't spell out apathy and anger and frustration and just shoulder shrugs, I don't know what does.
1: I would call it more resignation from Packers fans in the 70s okay. and 80s. <laughs> they still sold out Lambeau. They did struggle yeah. when they played in Milwaukee. But, yeah, it was it, – and there's what – what is stunning to me is that they're – and I think that you can maybe have like a mirror image here. There's not a generation of Commanders fans and, and all the iterations that that team's nickname has had. There's not a there, there's a generation, the younger generation that doesn't remember when they were good. That doesn't remember Joe Theismann. Doesn't remember Joe Gibbs. Doesn't remember uh, the Hogs up front. There's also a generation yep. in that same time frame that doesn't remember the Packers without a Hall of Fame quarterback. So, right, we've had it pretty good. I, I'll admit that.
0: You, no, Joe, you, you're right, and the generation thing is something that we've often talked about here too, Doug. You know, um. I mean, you just mentioned some of the greats. Hell, I I mean, they might know Joe Gibbs because Joe Gibbs did come back for part two. Maybe
1: Art Monk. I'll throw that name in there.
0: Yeah, but but to your point, like, you know, I I mean, John Riggins and and Art Monk and Daryl Green and all those guys, and, you know, uh, I mean, they're just legends signing autographs and taking pictures now. They're not, like... It's, it, it, you know, it's, it's not like a uh, one thing, Pat, you know, an error passed on to an era. There, there once was, you know, up until Trent Williams was traded to the 49ers a couple of years ago, there was this great lineage of left tackles. You know, they went Trent Williams, Chris Samuels, uh, some of the hot, you know, so on and so forth. But th- now that 's gone, I mean Charles Lu 's done a fine job uh, coming over from the bears, but I mean he 's not in that ilk, but that 's the only thing that they had connecting the team to the past and today, I don 't know if you saw this, but they're ha- you know they 're doing their ninetieth anniversary uh, thing all year uh, and their yet inaugural season as the commanders, and they can 't even hand out the seat cushions. Uh, which they announced that they would in a press release on Wednesday at the start of the game or upon entry because they're fearful that the fans, the Green Bay fans, and there'll be you know 20-plus thousand Packer fans there, that are, they're going to throw them in the trash or do whatever, or that their own fans are going to throw them on the field.
1: <laughs> and Chris Cooley said he didn't even want anything to do with it. That.
0: Well, that, that's a whole other story. Uh, I don't know if we have time, you know for that story but that that's layered and complicated is how I would label that
1: all right perhaps another I, I do want to hear that story I figured it was just a, a backlash to team ownership and and how uh, as we've been describing Daniel Snyder's kind of I run mean, this listen, him thing and Dan down Snyder are not best friends anymore let's put it that way okay yeah, I, I would assume, so, you I would know, assume th- 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 that's you know that's how I'll label that and
0: I'll, I'll tell you the I'll tell you this story uh, at another time.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> From the team nine eighty in Washington D.C., Chris Russell joining us here. He covers the Washington Commanders. How much do you remember Matt Lafleur when he was in Washington? Uh, I well let, well, let me just
0: say this. I uh, I got to work with Matt pretty much every day uh, for four years. Uh, he would constantly, um, you know, come by my office because. Uh, my studio office was whatever was right in the main lobby, uh, and so I would see him pretty much every day. His uh, his family. Uh, I, I I I haven't kept in super close contact with Matt uh, over the years because I try and let these guys alone. But I have tremendous respect for him. I always thought he would be, you know, a, a good uh, you know coach, an offensive coordinator, and head coach. I wasn't sure. I remember a conversation in, I don't know, 2012 when Robert Griffin was doing his thing. You know, I said, I said, Matt's going to get a head coaching job in the next couple of years. And everybody's like, no, 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 no. Uh, you got to wait, you know, like Sean McVay. Okay, I'm not saying like right now, but Matt's going to get a job. And sure as you know what, he winds up in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. And everybody was kind of wondering, why are they hiring young Matt LaFleur, unproven Matt LaFleur to handle, you know, prickly Aaron Rodgers. And everything that I can tell, it's worked out great. Now, uh, you know, I-, I would say this, I mean, uh, they have some really like Packers fans might disagree, but you know I worked with Joe Barry for a couple of years, know him real well. Uh, worked with Kirk Alvinati, their linebackers coach for uh, two different tenures, know him real well. Daryl Franklin, their chief of staff, know him real well. Um, you know they have some good people in charge. It's not to say that Washington here doesn't have good people in charge in the post Shanahan, Lafleur, McVay era. They are good people. I just don't know if they're good coaches, quite honestly, hmm. or good enough coaches.
1: From the Team 980? I, I, oh, I do
0: think I do think LaFleur, while he, you know, you can certainly pick your, your spots, and Barry, too, you know, no coach is perfect, Doug, but I think Green Bay is in better hands, you know, quite honestly, just from a coaching situation than they are here in Washington.
1: Hmm. From the Team 980, Chris Russell joining us here on Packers game day. Well, let's talk about this commander's team, Is the sum of the team not as good as its individual parts? Because there are some playmakers here. Jahan Dotson uh, looks like he's questionable for today, but a good wide receiving core. They get after the quarterback on defense. I remember lusting after Montez Sweat in the draft a few years ago. We know about Chase Young, Jonathan Allen. But their team rankings aren't very good. Overall, uh, team offense, 24th in the NFL. Overall team defense, I mean, they're 25th against the rush, 19th against the pass, 18th overall. It just seems like they don't – again, individual players – but, as a team the the numbers just aren't there
0: well, so on defense, I think the biggest problem is well, first of all, they got off to a a bad start against Jacksonville and Detroit, right, and part of that was because part of that was because they gave up huge plays, and that's been the main theme the main problem on defense and that's why those numbers are out of whack
1: uh, and I say out
0: of whack because that's not the defense we see ninety Five-ish percent of the time, it's the defense we see two or three plays a game. But as you know, Doug, like, that counts. It counts. They got sure. up almost 400 yards to Justin Fields and the Bears last Thursday night, right? Yet they they turn the ball over inside the five-yard line three times. Once a stop on downs to end the game. Once on a fourth down and one stop at the goal line, and once on a batted up interception. Three times inside the five. You can't, it's hard to live like that, but they were able to get away with it last Thursday night, but yet they gave up big plays. And that's again been the hallmark of this defense. Huge, massive chunks of plays. If I'm Aaron Rodgers today and Matt LaFleur, first series, I'm seven step dropping you know double post uh, play action whatever you got to do to take a deep shot against their safeties and against Kendall and or Kendall Fuller because he's been picked on all year that's what i'm doing i'd be surprised if green bay isn't aggressive from the jump now on offense they got off to a hot start against jacksonville and in the second half against detroit and since then it's been Nothing. <laughs> Basically, you know, they moved the football against Tennessee uh, and, and just couldn't punch it in and, and threw a game-ending interception at the goal line. Uh, and a lot of that has been Carson Wentz. The offensive line has been dreadful for the most part. Uh, the wide receivers you mentioned, John Dotson, he's not expected to play and miss a third straight game. Logan Thomas, their good tight end. Again, third straight game, he's out. They're missing their right tackle, Sam Cosby. Third straight game, he's out. Uh, so they've had injuries, but it, it has been a colossal you-know-what fest uh, on the offensive side of the football, just trying to gain some kind of sustainable play. And, and part of it is third down. They started off really hot on third down, first two games. Since then, they've been dreadful. Last two games, they've been three of 22 hmm. on third down.
1: Final couple of moments with Chris Russell from the Team 980 in Washington, D.C. He covers the Commanders. I want to talk about Tyler Haneke for a second. He gets the start over Carson Wentz, who's banged up. How did that whole situation play out over the offseason, and how is it now? Because Wentz was really good for a couple of years, but do they think that he's going to be the guy that gets them back to the Super Bowl?
2: Yes.
0: Which I I, I just can't figure out for the life of me before this year. It- <coughs> <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, I know
1: you're talking about the commanders in the Super Bowl. I, I get it. I get <laughs> it.
0: Yeah, I'm all, I'm all choked up. I apologize. <laughs> It'll 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 make you steal your guts out. I tell you that much. Um, it, it's almost like I had a bratwurst that I shoved down my throat. You know. Well, anyway, um, but, um, I'm going to go have a bratwurst at a tailgate here in a little. There you while, go. I'll Tell you that much. I'm there you not, go. I'm not missing that opportunity. Um, so so here's the deal. Um, you know, Heineke started. 15 games last year including the game at, at lambo and if you remember in that game doug because you were there yeah um yeah. you know he played reasonably well they just couldn't punch it in when they had to punch it in there was a fourth down and goal stop on an incompletion in which he was late there was that play that weird play where he thought he scored the touchdown and he did the lambo leap and he was so excited because he grew up a packers fan and a brett farm fan and they called it back on instant replay because they realized that he fumbled or he went down or whatever it was right before the goal line. So, I mean, you know, Taylor Heineke has been around. He's got plenty of experience in this system. He was with Scott Turner, North Turner's kid, the offensive coordinator in Minnesota and Carolina and here in Washington. This is not a neophyte, if you will, in terms of the quarterback. But yet they also understand the two things, understood the two things he didn't have was height and a howitzer for an arm. So they went out and got somebody <clears throat> that fit that profile. The problem is with Carson Wentz, he's got so much variance in his game. Like there's there's the high Carson Wentz, and then there's the, wow, really amazing Carson Wentz. And then there's the, ugh, Carson Wentz, where he just bottoms out. And the problem is, is, quite honestly, he's way too much in that bottoming out or closer to that side of of, of the area, if you will, than the high Carson Wentz. You see that high Carson Wentz at times. You don't see enough of it. You don't see enough consistency. And for a team that has no stability to go out and get maybe the most variable quarterback was kind of crazy in my eyes. I agreed they needed an upgrade from Taylor Heineke, the last person I wanted was that guy Carson Wentz? But yet they did it, and they went, and now they're in a mess again. And we'll see what Taylor Heineke can provide today. Again, missing a couple of key weapons, I think he'll be able to move the football against the Packers. Uh, and 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 you know, uh, you said to me the other day their secondary is not playing as well as maybe I thought, uh, and and that's fine. Um, you know, I think he'll be able to move the football against the Packers. The question is, is will they be able to sustain on third down, and will they be able to punch it in uh, when they get scoring opportunities, especially not in the not only in the red zone, but closer, you know, five yard line, ten yard line, that area. Will they be able to turn that into a touchdown? And their place kicker is certainly far from reliable. Uh, so, you know, um, hopefully Heineke will play better and give them an infusion of life and keep this game within winnable stretching distance.
1: This is our Eye on the Enemy segment. Chris Russell from the Team 980 in Washington, D.C. You're never the enemy, just your team is today. We'll let you go get that brought and maybe wash it down with a beer. I won't tell anyone, uh, but I appreciate the time <laughs> today don't. on the show.
0: Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you.
2: So last week you said you did an hour and a half of rehab on your thumb, was was that today's duty as well? Two hours.
3: Yeah, we got two hours today. Captain Bled made the Wednesday practice back to normal, so had an extra 30 minutes to do some rehab.
2: So what do you do for two hours? I mean, not like the thumb part of it, but what
0: do you do just to, to kill time?
3: Uh, conversation, Bill. Hmm. Uh sad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nate, Nate Weir and I have been friends for a long time, and obviously both been here. I think it's his 19th season, my 18th, so always fun catching up with him, seeing what the kids are up to. He's chasing around after work. Uh, little Harrison uh, on the soccer pitch. Uh, so just catching up with uh, with him. Randall was in there as well, so we got to catch up with him as well. Does the thumb feel any different than it did at this point last week or even after the game? I mean, it was sore after the game. It's progressively gets better throughout the week. Uh, similar plan. I'll, you know, go out and practice tomorrow, Friday, and take it easy Saturday, and be ready to go Sunday. Aaron,
0: there's there's no certainty as to whether or not he'll play,
1: but what would it mean to get Sammy Watkins back out there for you
3: Yeah, it'd be good. I mean, he was obviously coming off, uh, you know, a couple good performances. Uh, had a nice game in Chicago. So, give us another body outside to throw to. You
0: said just a couple of throws, but did, how much
3: did it bother you Sunday? To yeah, it bothered me on a couple of throws. Just the Okay. yeah. I mean, I, I can deal with pain. Uh, pain management has been part of uh, all of our careers, um, so you just learn to deal with uh, whatever you got going on. And, and if you can be out there, you're out there. When you said it bothered you more from just being able to throw it where you wanted, or more from a pain standpoint? Uh, I mean, it's you know some grip issues. Uh, at times, it's the biggest issue.
0: Aaron, how, how does this impact you? How was the when you had before?
3: The toe was nice because I got Bob just, you know, gave me some numbing stuff, so I didn't even feel it. I was nine toes out there, but uh, calf obviously was very restrictive in my movement in the pocket. So I still have what little I got left, uh, and it's you know, like I said, this is going to get progressively better throughout the season. And I'm hoping in a couple of weeks it won't be an issue.
1: So when you're in week seven, and the record's the way it is,
3: and have been doing this a while, and you talk to your coaches, do you do you project a little bit? Like, you know, we got two or three guys that still need another game or two before we can get this thing in sync. Do you think in those terms, or can you only go game to game? I don't like to project on anybody, yeah. uh, not even myself. So. Uh, we just talk openly about uh, the issues. We try and hold guys accountable, hold ourselves accountable. Um, you know, self-criticism is very important in this business. We got to look uh, long and hard at how we're playing and what we got to do to get better. Um, for us, you know, a lot of plays is ten guys doing the right thing and one guy, you know, missing an assignment when we have issues. So, we can just clean up that one guy, and it's not one particular guy. It's different guys in every play, including myself. So, we clean that up, we'll be fine. Well, about this week, I think it's more just Sunday. Um, we had a great week of practice last week and had a dud performance on Sunday. So it doesn't always translate. We've had bad weeks in the past and gone out and balled out. Uh, so just, you know, it's about uh, about the energy of the group. Um, you know, I came in after my treatment and uh, the locker room was pretty lively. So I don't know if that was seeing the sun for the first time in a few days or, <laughs> or uh, Captain Blood cutting practice a little bit. But uh, either way, uh, good energy today. You know, we just want to get back out there. So beauty in this league is uh, we get another chance. The tough part is we got to deal with, uh, you know, all the uh, feelings uh, for a week uh, after a bad performance. Matt
1: said this that his message to the team was to get back to having fun. What does that look
3: like? Got to pull some more pranks, I think. <laughs> <laughs> pranks? I usually get blamed. Can't say it's always me.
2: You got a good one recently you'd like to share with the class? Nope. <laughs> is there something to that though, Aaron, having fun? I don't know if you feel on the field that these guys are tight. I, don't, I have no idea, obviously not being out there. But is there something that you, that you feel is it's missing?
3: Well, winning is fun, Bill. So whenever you're winning, you're always going to have more fun. I think a lot of times that's, you know, that, that's an important message. Um, but you're having fun when you're loose. When you're loose, that means you're prepared. When you're prepared, that means you put in the time. So it starts with putting in the time, and there's an expectation that everybody's going to be ready to play Sunday, and that that confidence will come from the preparation this week.
1: Are you still having fun?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I love this. Uh, this is a lot of fun for me. I miss being out there at practice today because I love practicing. But yeah, man, I love for the, I live for this. I wake up in the morning thinking about this. I go to bed at night dreaming about what plays I can make up and piss Matt off. And um, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, you know, this is. Uh, this has been my love since I was five years old and uh, still love uh, waking up every day knowing I'm coming in at 1265. Tonyan I think set a single franchise single game record for catches by a tight end.
0: How rewarding is it to see what he's been doing the last couple weeks after what he went through last year? Yeah
3: Yeah. I mean I think he's feeling feeling better. He's feeling uh, more confidence in his leg and he's got incredible hands. I always tell him he's got the second best hands on the team. Um, You know he catches the ball well with his hands and and he's just Instinctual as well, makes some plays kind of outside the framework sometimes, of the construct of the offense. Uh, but he's always making the right reaction. Second best? Who's got the best though? Oh me. Well, well you don't throw it to yourself. I have a <laughs> couple times. How good is Washington's D line? They're really good, really good. I mean, a lot of, a lot of first round picks on there. They got five guys with three plus sacks. Um, you know, they get a lot of push up front. Um, yeah, it's a solid defense uh, front to back. How does it feel when you how does it feel when you take a lot of hits a week ago and then you're going against a D line like Washington's this week? Just just physically, emotionally, what's it like to do that week after week? I love it. I live for it. I love the challenge. When you get older, as many of you know, it, it feels a little different maybe waking up uh, even if you're you know, like Rob out there playing hard game of racquetball or something, but <laughs> you wake up in the morning a little more sore maybe than you were at twenty one, but uh, I think you, you live for that. Um, you know, we know what kind of defense they got and uh, we'll see what the environment's like. I'm expecting a lot of Packer fans will be there, um, but uh, we'll deal with whatever noise we, we hear and obviously their front as best we can.
2: Over the years we've heard about the 24 hour rule winner loss after a game to put it
0: to bed. Is it easier to really abide by that?
3: More difficult? It depends. I mean, if you have a hell of a game, you kind of want to savor that for a few days, but you got to move on. Um, You know, conversely, the opposite is uh, about the same. So you just, I mean, that's part of the game. You learn how to to move on as quickly as possible and can't dwell uh, too long on uh, the mistakes or on the the great things you did.
0: Aaron, how does a team find its identity throughout the season?
3: Mm, I think a lot of it's dealing with adversity. Just see what the response is. Are the guys sticking together? Are we uh, having the right message? Uh, are we still going out and competing in practice? Um, are we taking ownership of our stuff and, and having those conversations, however difficult they might be with our, our coaches, with our fellow teammates? Um, that's how the character and the um, identity, I think, is formed throughout the year.
1: Is this team doing that, in your opinion?
3: I think so, yeah. That's one of the faces of the league I'm just wondering what do you make of all the headlines that swirl around at Snyder and how much do you think it, do you think it harms the league's reputation at home yeah I don't know it's a tough question um, there's been some interesting articles and obviously you know some uh, headlines that maybe grab your attention if you're surfing on uh, on Rob's site um, it's interesting for sure uh, but I don't know how much it harms the league. Um, there's obviously been some, uh, some incidents that reflect poorly on certain organizations, um, which isn't great for the league. But uh, as you guys all know, the league is going to protect itself, and I'm sure they'll make the right decisions.
1: Aaron, when you're scrambling mid-play, what are you looking at in the moment to see whether you should run or pass it? And you, when you watch the film back, do you think there have been any instances this year where you say, I should have run that?
3: Yeah, I had a keeper where I was trying to get Rome to, uh, to backdoor on the, uh, on the linebacker there. Probably could have got six or seven and slid and up my rushing yard average, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna be more aggressive. I think in in those situations, uh, moving forward, um, legs are feeling good and uh, moving well, so um, I'll look for those opportunities to to maybe tuck it, uh, you know, with a couple pump fakes.
1: one-third of the way through 18 weeks, six weeks in. How do
3: you feel this team, this offense, is, is what you expect? I mean, I mean, similar to maybe what I expected. Um, there's been growing pains. There's been uh, uh, some some mental errors at times, which you expect with a younger group. Um, but there's been uh, you know, just too many plays where it's just one guy uh, maybe doing the, doing the wrong thing or, or not executing their responsibility. So we'll clean that up. We'll be fine. Um, there's enough leadership on the offense to get those things cleaned up, and um, I'm confident we'll uh, get some of those things fixed.
2: What's your comfort level with the, with the line, Aaron, as far as, you know, Sonny, for instance, maybe the guy you coming free in the left, maybe the right, just kind of the uncertainty when you step back there, what, what you're going to be facing?
3: Well, i got to deal the ball as, uh, as quickly as I can. I think when we're in our best rhythm, it's the ball coming out of my hand on time. Uh, there's a lot that goes into that. Obviously, we got to protect it for that, uh, that time. we got to get open on time. Um, so there's a lot of different factors when it comes to the line. I've got a lot of confidence in them. I'm expecting to bounce back from the performance last week. Um, you know they're very hard on themselves. They're very well coached, and um, you know we all don't want to put bad ball out on tape.
1: Last year, Washington town obviously taylor showed a lot of great quarterback. What do you see in him? His competitiveness, or what, what do you see when you watch him that you can help uh, relate to him?
3: I haven't seen any tape on him uh, this year, but uh, I like the kid. You know I think he's got a lot of toughness. Um, you know, I've seen some plays over the years, a couple of playoff games where I felt like he played pretty well. Um, but he, you know, he plays with confidence and is able to get outside the pocket and make some plays. He's a good runner with the football. Um, I was teasing about sliding last year. You know, not not the most uh, frequent slider, but uh, definitely can make some plays outside the pocket.